Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And then all of a sudden, I could feel my feet going numb. My hands started to tingle. And then I, I could see myself on the bed. Welcome to The Ghost Files. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies. For decades, I've been listening to ordinary people tell me about their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. Now, I'm going to share these moments with you, bringing you all new interviews every week with people who have a spooky story to tell. From seeing an apparition, to receiving signs from beyond, and messages from late loved ones, plus so much more. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Find out each week on The Ghost Files. Today, my guest is Marilyn, a nurse and mum of four adult children, two of whom are disabled, whose family story is depicted in the 2008 award-winning Australian film The Black Balloon, directed by her daughter Alyssa and starring Tony Collette. In 1980, Marilyn was the 29-year-old mum of three small children when, 20 weeks into an unplanned pregnancy, something began to go very wrong. The result was a near-death experience that completely changed Marilyn's views about life and death. Welcome, Marilyn, to the Ghost Files podcast. It is so lovely to have you on with us today, and I'm very excited to hear your story. So please tell us what happened on that summer's day in 1980. Well, um, um, 1980, well, I um, actually, I went into um, premature labour. I was about 20 weeks pregnant, and I was rushed to hospital, and um, I, when I got there, um, I they put me to bed, my water's broke, I went into labour and um, all of a sudden there's, you know, my husband was sitting beside me and um, I had a, another nurse who was had the, um, the blood pressure machine on my arm and the registered nurse and the doctor at the end of the bed. And I remember the doctor looking at me and he says, oh, you know, I started to hemorrhage quite badly and he says, well, I don't think this is a viable pregnancy now. And I said, no, I don't think so. And then all of a sudden I could feel my feet going numb. My hands started to tingle and I, you know, had this weird feeling and I could hear the nurse beside me whose name was Margaret and she says, doctor, I can't get a pulse. I can't get a blood pressure. And the doctor's saying, well, try again. And uh, so they tried again and Margaret says, I still can't get a pulse. I still can't get a blood pressure. And at this time I just had this vague feeling and then I I could see myself on the bed and um, and there in the corner there was this lovely little beckoning light. It wasn't bright or anything. It was just kind of calling me over mm. and it was so calm and so peaceful and it was just – Absolutely, oh, just bliss, and um, and I just you know just gradually going towards the corner, and I could see everything, all the 
people below me um, working, you know, the bed's getting pulled up at the bottom, you know, put my legs up higher than my head. And because this is a country hospital, so there's no crash cart, nothing like that. Right, right. Uh, yes. And, um, and there, you know, it's just, it was bliss. I mean, I don't know how long, but, you know, I didn't know. Time meant nothing then. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I you know, like this lovely floating, this blissful feeling, I looked down and I, I just saw this look of complete anguish on my husband's face. It was, uh, I couldn't, I can't really describe it. He was just like, you know, like, what am I doing? You know, she's gone. Yeah. Um, and I just went, oh. And then I remember saying to myself, well, you've got to start breathing, you stupid bitch, <laughs> of all things. And I can remember that, even though it was 40 years ago, I can still remember saying that to myself, you know, like I was telling myself. And then I started to hyperventilate um, because I started to breathe. I got little sharp, shallow breaths and, um, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, they had me breathing into a paper bag. And then I sort of kind of come to, and I remember the doctor who I'd known for many years, he'd been my doctor, and I actually worked under him when I was doing my nursing training. And he looked at me and he said, gee, he said, oh, he says, that was really bad. He said, you were quiet for eight minutes. I've never heard <laughs> So it was that. And funnily enough, I didn't realise the, the gravity of the whole situation till later on, you know, like what it was. It was just – it was a bit surreal. It was um, – it didn't compute in my head till later on when I spoke to my mother about it a few days later and um, and she said to me – because I remember her face when she came to visit me that afternoon – um, one of the nurses had stopped her and said, look, we almost lost her. We almost lost her. And sort of that all of a sudden everything just made so much sense. Yes. And so yes. at what point, Marilyn, do you feel like you understood that you'd left your body and, were, were you know, that you were looking down at your physical self? Like did you have well, a yeah reckoning of this as it was happening? Well, it was strange because, you know, like it's something you don't expect. Um, that you, you know, like it's something that you don't expect to think about. I mean, you read about it, but you don't think, oh, yeah, that's, you know. I mean, I've read stories, you know, these big bright lights, you know, and, you know, people seeing, you know, hearing beautiful music and all this sort of stuff. I thought, no, that wasn't me, you know. I just had this little light saying, come on, over here. Yes. Um, yes. And then it wasn't until I actually related the story to my mother when I got out of hospital that it all made sense, you know, like, I, that's what did happen to me. I, you know, when the fact that I did die, I mean, I kind of flatlined it. But, I mean, like I, I had left my body. Yes. Yes. Basically, I mean, I stopped breathing, stopped, um, you know, my heart stopped moving, you know, like no blood pressure, nothing. So it was just that, you know, a few minutes of um, just my body had gone into complete shock from, due to the loss of um, so much blood. And, uh, yes, and it took me a good good um, sort of another eight months after that to get my haemoglobin back to normal. But, you know, no 
no drips or blood transfusions or anything like that. It was just because I was eating and drinking quite well. They okay. just thought, well, yeah, let nature take its course. Yes. So it was physically a very, very traumatic experience for you. It, that, extreme, yeah. it was both physically and mentally because, yes. I mean, you've got to come to, I was twenty week, almost 20 weeks pregnant and you've got to get around that. I just accepted the fact I had just come to the realizations. I only found out six weeks before that I was pregnant. So it was sort of, I was just getting my head around the fact that I was pregnant, let alone, um, you know, then to lose it, you know, sort of, you know, like you're half, you're halfway there, it's sort of like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, also it would have, I, I would imagine that it would have made the whole experience so much more surreal knowing, because you knew everybody in this little country hospital, as you said, you'd trained well, there. I did my training there and everybody that was in the room I knew. So, it, in fact, the room itself had a lot of um, um, a lot of memories attached to it as well. The room they put me in, which was really strange, with, <laughs> because I spent an awful lot of my training in that room because we had a uh, it was a private room, and it was a, a lady that I had known growing up, and she was um, she was in that room for the whole of my training. She was. Um, a, um, had had brain surgery and she was basically left a vegetable. So I had oh. spent a lot of time in that room, and in fact, to end up back in that room, <laughs> to die <laughs> in bit, that room, and then come back yeah, to life, come back in to it. life again. You know, <laughs> amazing, so, amazing. So it was, it was, you know. And Marilyn, can I ask you? Did you? This was nineteen eighty. Uh, Raymond, this would have been nineteen. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So November nineteen eighty. Yeah. November nineteen eighty. Not much was known at that point about near death experiences. They hadn't really entered sort of the popular, you know, the popular culture. Raymond Moody wrote his very his sort of famous seminal book, Life After Life, mm. about the near death experience. He coined that term, and that came out in nineteen seventy five. So not much was known. What did you know? Had you heard about near death experiences and people having these sorts of encounters at the time well, that yours happened? Well, I did remember uh, a lady. Uh, um, she was when I was working at Princess Alexander Hospital in, in Brisbane, and she'd come back from theatre, and she was one of these, you know, everything was black and white sort of ladies mm -hmm. and she said to me well what happened did something happen during my surgery and I said well I can't say it's up to the doctors to tell you what actually happened I said it's not my you know I can't do that so when the doctors came in to talk to her later on they said oh look we'd just like to inform you that we had to restart your your heart a couple of times during surgery because she described this feeling of euphoria of floating away mm -hmm. and um, sort of that story came back to me after I sort of went through my experience sort I of see. thing and I was seeing, you know, like, oh, see, that's probably the same sort of thing that happened to her. Right. And, uh, and she said, oh, she said, I kind of, you know, and she said a couple of days later, she said to me, she says, mm, she said, there might be something to this afterlife business. <laughs> <laughs> Very succinct, yeah, summary. Of yes. It. So your experience yeah. up until that point of you having yours was not in, you know, you hadn't heard of NDEs, you had just heard of this lady's experience. It, um, yeah, like uh, people like, you know, like, oh, we'd often hear, you know, like people telling stories of, you know, like, going towards the light, oh, this sort of stuff. so in yeah. your work as a nurse, Marilyn. Nurse, yeah. yeah. You often heard um, people telling stories and, you know, like you took a lot of stories with a grain of salt, but then after a while you're hearing the same thing from people from different walks of life. 
So it was just sort of like you think, oh, yeah, it's probably, you know, the, the drugs they give you when you when they put you under, you know, sort of when you have surgery mm. and that sort of thing. So you, you just think, oh, yeah, you know. And then it happened then, to you. <laughs> yeah, so it happened to me, yeah. yes. If we can just go back to your experience a little bit and just unpack some of these, um, some of the things that happened in there. So you describe the light in such a beautiful way. You say that it was beckoning you. Mm. Tell us about that. In what way was the light beckoning you? It was like, it's like, um, you know, like many a time when you walk down, a, you know, you're out shopping and you all of a sudden you see something and you feel like you, that calls you over. You've got to go in that direction. Okay. It was that, it was that sort of feeling of being, it wasn't demanding the light. It wasn't uh, saying you've got to come over here. It was just like, it's like when you, like when you know how you get the light at the end of the tunnel and you go, Oh yeah, that's where I've got to go. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, it, it was it was really it was so calm. That's oh, what I, it was okay. sort of it was I suppose I was, you know, quite emotional because I was going through an emotional experience before, mm. you know, the actual going into hospital that and think I'm losing the baby. Yeah. You know, I'm quite emotional and then all of a sudden that had gone away. It was just so calm. You know, it's like, oh, like if somebody give me a good dose of Valium, I suppose. You know, like, oh, it was just, it was just so, it was unbelievable. I mean, um, I've had a similar experience, that calming experience since, you know, like when you get, you, something washes over you and you think, oh, I've done the right thing. It's that sort of. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it was just unbelievable. It was just sort of, and it just it it just drew you, you know, mm. like you were drawn to it. Okay. And it, yeah, but it was very. I found it very peaceful. Um, I didn't hear any music or anything like that. I've read other people talk about music. And, yes. And that I didn't see anything. It was just this dull. It was like a bright corner. A bright corner. Corner. You know, like it was in the corner of the room. It okay. wasn't. It wasn't – it was in a definite spot. It was like I was going across to it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it was away from the, where the windows were, were, you know, it was up there. It was up. It wasn't down. It was up in the corner of the room. Okay. Like, yeah. And, Marilyn, you also said that you felt some incredible feelings of bliss and love. Tell us yes. about that. Well, it was um, – well, it was yeah, because it was calming. I felt that I was being loved, you know, and that was the the feeling when that feeling of love came over me. That was when I looked at my husband's face. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the reason I wasn't really being concerned. I mean, I saw this below me, and I sort of I just kind of dismissed that for a second. Right. And when I got this feeling of love, then it's sort of my mind. I suppose my mind turned towards my husband, and that's when I saw that look on his face. So you know, like I, I probably that you know, like it was telling you, like you've got this love here. Yeah, I don't know, but it was just that's why I turned to look at him. I suppose. So it's almost like as you tell it, there's the you you can imagine that maybe if you hadn't had that sense of love and turned to have that look at your husband and see that look of fear and distress on his face, that you might have gone into this light and not come back. Do you think that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I could have. But then I suppose when you got that feeling of love, like looking at my husband, then I think, well, I've got three children at home, three young children. Mm. I had three young children under. Let me see. Would have been under, under three and a half. I mean, under four. 
at home. Okay. So four four and a half at home. So yeah. So I mean, I had to sit back for it would have been four and a half. Yeah. So because I had three children, three and a half years, so I had to put it all. Into wow, but still, like that's so, a lot. Yeah, a lot so of kids, big family. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was sort of like uh, basically they were, you know, like there were three preschool children at home, you know, and and that love because that, you know, like connects directly to my husband. So it's it's all, you know, as a whole. Yes. I suppose, right, you know, I like see. that one person. You fell into your body with a gasp, didn't you? How did yes, it feel to yes. be back in your body? What happened? Um, it was it was weird. It was because um, everything was tingling because, as I said, like I felt that tingling sensation before I when they said they couldn't get a blood pressure or um, a pulse. So basically, I was probably, as I say, you die from your feet up. But it was that tingling. I was still like the tingling in my fingers, like everything, all the sensations coming back in my body. It was like um, a lot of tingling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then how did you reflect after this experience, immediately afterwards, how did you reflect on it and did you tell your husband about what had happened? Yes, I did tell him. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I sort of like, um, I said to him, "Oh, gee, that was a weird experience," uh, and I explained to him, and I, and because he didn't sort of, oh yeah, you know, she's telling stories again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, he accepted that because he was in the room with me, and he said, like, um, the fact that I that I'd gone quiet, and he saw the fact that. You know, like I was non-responsive. So to have that story, you know, like to come back and tell him that story, he was very accepting of it. He's um, He was very open-minded in that sort of respect, I suppose. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was this experience didn't just change you, did it? It changed your husband as well. It did. It did. Um, it's one of the uh, – there was a few changes in our lives, but that was one of the, the massive ones. It was sort of like – it was – oh, I'm not – not saying our, our marriage was rocky, but you know, one of those little paths you get, you know, like three yeah. small children and Seven your husband's years going in. away. Yeah. yeah. Three, your husband's going away, you know, for you know, a couple of months at a time, you know, you're left at home with, you know, three small children and, and then sort of this pregnancy on top. So you ended up with a, um, um, you know, like it wasn't that we didn't love each other. It was just that it was in that sort of rut. But yeah. um, no, and we knew that I knew that we were moving too. We were moving another. We were moving at the beginning of the following year. We were going to be moving from where we were to Sydney, and sort of it was another move. You know, and you think, oh, here we go. And I was in my hometown, which and it was just so lovely and comfortable being at home. Mm. And you have all that sort of thing. So yeah, mm. but no, it was it was really weird and sort of like. And he was, you know, he was grumpy because I wasn't ecstatic about moving. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, but then he he changed. He changed completely. He was a he was a bit of a marshmallow. My husband. He was all all you know all bark and no bite. Yes. <laughs> so a little of the rest of that one. But no, it's um yes. Um, and so, Marilyn, was, I know that um, your husband passed away a few years ago and yes. you told me that you were at his bedside when it yes. happened. I'm, I'm wondering if at the time that he was passing, whether you reflected on your own experience and wondered if he was perhaps going through anything like that too. Well, it's amazing though, like um, it's all the little things that um, – 
I remember one incident because, you know, like the nurses came in to, to change him, you know, yeah. and fix him up. And I remember the doctor walking past the room and saying, um, at, when the nurses were in there, she, she said, oh, look, I don't think he's going to uh, be with us much longer, you know. Yes. And uh, so I walked back in and we walked back in. There was my husband, uh, my, my husband's brother and um, my daughter and her close friend and myself, and uh, I walked in, and he looked so uncomfortable. His pillow was askew, you know, and he hadn't uttered a sound or made a movement of anything that whole day Mm -hmm. um, because he'd slipped into unconsciousness kind of during the night. And I said, looked at him, and I said, gee, you must be uncomfortable, Greg. Let me fix your pillow up. And I fixed his pillow up and got it properly under his head. And I said, and how does that make you feel now, darling? And he he just smiled and nodded his head. Hmm. And and everybody around the bed said, look, he responded, you know, like – yeah, like wow. we were, yeah, and that was the last response really okay. that we had out of him. And that sort of brought back home that sort of a response yes. before he died. Yeah. He sort of let me know that, you know, like he was fine. Yeah, so that that's a very profound moment there. And I remember and s- another um, something lovely that happened that given your experience was quite curious was when your autistic son, David, asked you one day, if you went to heaven, would you fall out of the sky? Now, yes. was that before or after your near-death experience? That, oh, gee, um, that was after. Okay. And yes. how, how did you answer him? Given- I, said to, I, said, I said to him, uh, when you die, your, I said your body, they put your body in the ground and your feelings go up to heaven. Oh, that's so lovely. And it actually, it um, it gels with so much of the testimonies that come out of these near-death experiences. Um, some of them say the only thing we take back with us is love. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, the feelings, just I mean like yeah. that's what I mean. The whole experience was there was no negativity about it. Mm. I, mean, I, I mean, I didn't, I felt that even if I'd taken the path of least resistance, I think I wasn't being judged. Okay, okay. I mean to say it was my choice. Right. And it doesn't matter. I felt that even if I'd gone, I don't think I would have been judged. Mm. Because that light, that light was so um, peaceful, wasn't it, and non-judgmental? Yes. No, that's, yeah, yes. Okay. So... And mm. four decades later, Marilyn, how do you reflect on what happened to you? I, um, I don't. Death doesn't worry me. I mean, uh, what happens after death doesn't worry me. Mm-hmm. But how I die is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> as I say, you know, like I, I mean, the idea of you know what's going to happen after you die has it doesn't worry me one little bit. Uh, because if it was like my experience, it's it's lovely. Yeah. But um, but how I get how I end up in that state is a different kettle of fish, you know. Yes, and as a nurse, I can understand why you would be having you know those those yes. concerns. You would have seen a lot. Um, yes. And I'd like to finish today, Marilyn, by asking you the question that I ask all our Ghost Files guests: How did your brush with death change the way you actually live your life? 
Well, it changed how I lived my life. As I said, um, well, I always say to people that you've got to kind of experience death to enjoy your life. Mm. So I probably enjoy my life probably um, – I, I really enjoy my life. I mean, you have your ups and downs, but um, life's to be enjoyed. Yes, so you make the most of every moment. I, I do, yes. I, I make as, you know, I try and get some bit of enjoyment every day out of life, you know, even if it's just sitting out in the veranda having a cup of tea listening to the birds in the tree. But, I mean, like, yeah. you've got to you've got to enjoy, enjoy your life because you don't know what's around the corner and that's something that experience tells you that, yes. you know, you – um, you know, it's not given to you. Your time is not given. That's so, right. So, uh, yes. Oh, well, it's just been a delight to speak with you today, Marilyn. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us today on the podcast. And yes. um, we wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you for opening up the Ghost Files with us. I'm Karina Machado, and we'll be back next week with more True Life Tales of Spooky Encounters. So please subscribe so you catch every episode. In the meantime, you can check out my other podcast about mysteries and marvels, Spirit Sisters, based on my best-selling book. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for more Goosebumps. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.